This week on Excelsior Journey, my returning guest is author and award-winning poet Jessica McHugh. Jessica is not only here to celebrate the upcoming launch of her book, Hairs in the Hedgerow, coming to you from Ghoulish Books, but it's also a time for her to celebrate the relaunch of the first book in this trilogy, Rabbits in the Garden, also by Ghoulish Books. And it's also an opportunity to share how she has been able to take a spark of hope that was still inside her and turn it into the open flame that it is today. I want to just let you know right at the beginning, we had some audio issues, but we're able to still get through the entire conversation. I hope you listened to the whole thing. It really is a terrific discussion that I had with her. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's you, why I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills Line of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. So jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather sense. impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if it is sticks. George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for tuning in for over 160 episodes. And I hope you keep tuning in because the future is just so bright for this podcast, as well as nine others that are joining the Once Upon a Podcast Network, which starts in January of 2023. I am incredibly excited for what's to come, and I'm really, really excited for what's to come for my guests this week. One of the things I have noticed during the, really from the beginning of the 2000s, is that publishing has really gone in a lot of different unexpected directions. Back in 2001, I remember getting the Complete Idiot's Guide to Publishing Science Fiction, and there was one paragraph all about self-publishing, and it was basically saying, don't do it. It's a last-ditch effort. It will look like you're just buying your way to get your books in the hands of readers. It's completely unprofessional. Do not do it. Several years later, they released The Complete Idiot's Guide to Self-Publishing. So publishing has definitely taken on quite a few different twists and turns. And one of the things that I have seen and experienced more than once myself is watching small presses and go. You'll see various printings of different books that normally under regular publishing circumstances would have been out and then they would have disappeared when the other publishing house disappeared and then that would have been it. No, you're seeing a lot of different books getting new life with different publishers that are working with them. And I'm incredibly excited for, for what my guest is going through right now because Jessica McHugh, who is also a previous guest on Excelsior Journeys, she had released her book, Rabbits in the Garden, for a small press. And unfortunately, that small press is closed down. But it has found new life with a brand new publisher. And she has also been able to secure a three-book deal to get her sequel, Hairs in the Hedgerow, out by the same publishing house, and to also make a deal for a third one, which is still in development. So I am really, really excited to talk to Jess about this, about the state of publishing, the different experiences that she's through, as well as getting caught up with, with her on 
a couple of Stoker nominations that she has gotten as of late. I am really, really excited to have her here to get us all caught up. It is my pleasure to welcome back Jessica McHugh. Jess, how are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me again. I am. I am so. I'm so happy to have you back. Always been one of my one of my favorite people to to interview, and someone who really makes a, a true impact on social media. And someone that I've always felt I need to learn from this person because you make you make things you make everything look so effortless when it, when you're getting all your stuff out. And it's really just it's you being you, which I think is yeah. is fabulous. So. Trying to have um, a good so, time amidst all the chaos and turmoil. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Always keeping, always keeping the positive attitude, and always, always keep that that door to the McUniverse open. And I am, I am anxious to, and and happy that I've been able to walk through that door a second time with you. So, so let's, so let's talk about a little bit about what's happening this month because you're all going to be hearing this in November. And I'm really excited about that because, because it's the same month that hairs in the hedgerow is going to be coming out from ghoulish press. If you guys take (laughs) guys, take a look at the cover art for this, for one thing, because it looks so awesome. It looks like, it it looks like it's one of the, like a vintage, like a a vintage reprinting of a classic novel. Like it's so, it looks so cool. It looks so cool. I love it. So by all means, go to Jess's, go to Jess's Facebook page. You will see it there. It's a, it, it looks so cool and it looks so captivating. So tell us a little bit about Hairs in the Hedgerow, what we can expect. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, in contrast to Rabbits in the Garden, its predecessor, which is a 19, late 50s, 60s madhouse novel. This is a mid 70s cult horror novel. Very much, it takes place in California, where uh, Rabbits in the Garden is in Massachusetts. So we're looking mm-hmm. at a completely different setting, a different time. It's 15 years later. Um, so you're catching up with the characters in a very different stage of life. Yeah. A character who's basically a, a baby at the end of Rabbits is 16 years old now. And the, the novel starts off focusing on her and kind of just what's going on in her life. And it takes some dramatic turns, uh, for sure. I leaned a Mm -hmm. lot. This is a very music-heavy novel. I took a lot of inspiration from Joni Mitchell's album, Court and Spark, which came out, I I believe, in 1974, um, so right before the events in in Hairs. And it it takes Mm -hmm. place over one week in the Thanksgiving break, So but spans, basically, decades. Uh, goes back oh, nice. and forth, kind of, it's broken into three parts and explores the kind of origins and a lot of unseen events that happened in, in Rabbit. So if, if you read Rabbits cool. and you're just like, man, I would have loved to see this scene, there's a good chance you're going to get it in, in Hairs in the Hedgerow. It, it was a lot of fun oh, to great. write. Um, and it was, it was a, j- a journey to say the least from inception oh, yeah. to completion. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. So that, that is, that is so cool. And do you have now, when we were talking before you had mentioned that you didn't realize that there was a trilogy of stories here until after you had finished hairs, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I definitely, when I was writing rabbits originally, I was, I, it was all based on a, a 
dream I had. And I, I guess I wrote it at a time that I was much younger, hadn't mm-hmm. learned as much about writing and storytelling. I think we all have kind of those things that when we go back to something we, we wrote like in our 20s or something like that, when it came out, right. even even when you try to edit it, it you can never really edit out that kid, it feels like. I, I've had that experience a few times. Pairs, when I was right, it felt a lot more mature. It felt like there was a it was a good opportunity to go even deeper and, and mm-hmm. really delve into some sticky issues. And once I mm. once I did that, I, I kind of uncovered a much deeper story and maybe what that what I thought was going on when I first created yeah. these characters wasn't isn't what's going on at all. So they they kind of right. I know people hate it when when you say this, but like the characters really kind of were like, you don't know me as well as you think you do. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and Harris definitely uh, introduced me to them in a new way and introduced me to um, kind of some new plot elements that I hadn't considered years ago. And that in itself, I wasn't I wasn't 100 percent sure if I was going to do the a third one. So when I finished Hairs, I kind of. I left it open yet closed in a way that if yeah. we didn't get a third book, hopefully people would be satisfied. But if we were, woo, it's going to be a crazy one. Because <laughs> 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 I mean, I already know it. I haven't, I haven't allowed myself to start writing it yet, but I certainly have started plotting and researching it. So it, it'll be taking place in the early eighties. Oh, fun. And yeah. <laughs> And much of it has to do, will be set in Framingham Women's Prison in, in the, the early 80s. And it has a, another kind of music storyline to it. So I'm already building oh, a nice awesome. playlist that's informing some of the characters. So it's, it's been a lot of fun just to think about, but I'm not allowing myself to start. <laughs> right. You got, yeah, you want to make that this, that, that this next one goes over well. And yeah, I, I, to, I totally yeah. get that. So, I, um, I mean, I'm going to write it probably no matter what at this point, but yeah, too many other at things. At the end of the day, it's just like you have to, you got to see yourself. How exactly yeah. is a story going to end? Because you never know. Like, whatever is in your head, it's never going to be what it winds up being on the page. Because like I had when when I was working on the first Excelsior book, I had this grandiose moment where Matthew puts on the Excelsior armor for the first time and looks at himself and really sees himself like as this hero that supposed to be. And when I wrote it, when I actually wrote it, it took place in a bathroom with a fuzzy <laughs> toilet seat cover and it just worked better. <laughs> so. Yeah. That doesn't happen until you do the work, like until mm-hmm. you actually do the work and get it out there. So I, I definitely get that, that feeling of just like, even if it's, even if no one else is going to read it, I yeah. still have to write it. And you had that, and that was basically kind of how Hairs in the Hedgerow was yeah. at, at that time, correct? Well, I mean, when I, I believe that when I originally wrote it for NaNoWriMo 2015, um, uh-huh. I, I believe at that point the small press was still in, was still open, and I was going to be writing it for them. It was going to be a, a, a true sequel. I had written it. I, in the middle of writing it, my cat passed yeah. away, and it, mm. it definitely um, messed with with the novel a lot because I was just like, oh, I'm just going to keep going. I needed to just distract myself anyway. And then I, yeah. <laughs> I realized that was a really horrible idea. 
So there, there is an alternate ending to Hairs in the Hedgerow that is completely, like, even more bonkers than the actual ending of Hairs, just because yeah. I was so insane with grief. So mm. it, it, someday maybe I'll release that, that version. But in my editing, while I was editing it, that's when the press went under. So mm. I, I kind of, I needed to rewrite so much of it anyway. So when I did yeah. the rewriting, I wrote it as if no one was going to republish Rabbit in the Garden mm-hmm. and no one was going to get this background story. So I, I tried to put as much as I could into Harris to make it a standalone. So I, I, I'm, on... not sure, we... <laughs> I'm not sure if that comes across. We... but <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when when you were planning on when you were re- redoing it and getting it ready for a standalone, were you thinking that it was going to be something you were going to self-publish or something you were going to shop around? I wanted, I definitely wanted to submit it at least to Perpetual Motion and uh, Ghoulish Books. Was mm. I don't think they had, when I submitted it, they had had announced the imprint yet. But mm. I, I have done two other books with uh, Perpetual Motion, The Train Derails in Boston and The Green Kangaroos. Don't ask me why I have animals in all my titles. It's so weird. I don't know. I don't know the reason either. Um, speaking, of, speaking, of co- Raven. speaking of cover art, you know, like the train derails in Boston has the coolest, has some of the coolest cover art I've ever seen in my life. Like that is yeah, um, such, such a grabber. Yeah. And yeah. yeah and so it's like, so funny because they kind of rabbits in the garden and the green kangaroos have a very similar cover with just kind of like a weird face on the front and train derails in Boston and hairs are both orange. things. Mm -hmm. I kind of got some like companion novels going on here cover. (laughs) Right now, now for those who have not heard the, the episode where you, you were, you were first a guest on, on here way back. I mean, we're talking about November of 2018, when mm-hmm. when this happened and quite a bit's happened since yeah. then so let's get people caught up a little bit with you so tell us a little bit remind us a little bit about your lightning bolt moment the time that you felt that writing was going to be a part of your life that you were going to be one that this was this is something that brings you joy this is something that makes you alive basically mm-hmm. and what is it about it that just keeps you going I mean, that's a, that's a really good question because it's, I mean, it's not a straight line and it's not a consistent mm-hmm. line, I feel like. And I'm, I probably would have given a very different answer in, in 2018 and before and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I love writing because I, I love playing and, and just creating. Mm-hmm. It brings me, uh, it brings me a lot of joy to, to create characters and also to like use the trauma in my life for something yeah. good. I feel like mm-hmm. <laughs> take your broken heart right. and make it art. So, but 2018 was actually a very tumultuous time for me. I mean, there was definitely a point when I was, I was thinking, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not getting any joy mm. from it. Especially like Raw Dog Screaming Press released the Nightly Owl Fatal Raven. It like no one noticed it. It felt like a lot of things I was I was doing were getting ignored. Home Birth came out, which I was really proud of, like a really awesome kaiju novella. Just mm-hmm. kind of didn't get any attention. And a lot of this had to do with you know when I was younger and releasing books, I would send people print copies for reviews and that kind of stuff and. I just can't, can't afford to do that anymore. Could no longer afford to do that. And that I was very resentful towards. Mm-hmm. There was 
things like my, my cat passing away. Like I couldn't afford to get him treatment stuff for like, I cancer was probably going to kill him within a year anyway. But, right. and I, that made me resent myself for choosing a life of, of art and writing that requires me to kind of live frugally. Mm-hmm. And, and that it didn't make me feel good. I wasn't, I wasn't, mm. I was very plateaued. And then a, a bunch of stuff was just happen, happening. And I was, I like, I literally started training to become a ballroom dance instructor because I was like, I really, to, yeah, yeah. I, I, cause I was like, I'm just going to change careers. I don't, you know, but I need to stay creative and artistic. So I thought that might be a good way to, to get my jollies <laughs> right. without breaking, breaking my heart so much when it came to writing. Um, mm-hmm. That, that just didn't, that didn't work out. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. So, but then something amazing happened in, in in 2019 while we were being kicked out of our apartment of 11 years, which was not amazing. Wow. <laughs> that really sucked. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'd had some IRS problems and stuff like that. So we were just we didn't have any money and everything was really tough. Um, uh, I ended up doing like a Kickstarter or something or maybe just people donated some money so we could move into this a new place we had found a new place but it was like a thousand dollar deposit and all this kind of stuff so mm-hmm. people people sent us donations and helped us out and it was really really amazing and i was like well i want to do something to thank people but i don't have any money to send gifts or anything so right i uh i went to the dollar store and i picked up um it was a shirley jackson um collected like book of of essays and stories and stuff like that Mm. Um, called let me tell you and i started making blackout poetry as uh oh. thank you gifts so just, oh, i didn't know so really that's how to do it. okay uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so okay. in, in february 2019 i i start you can even see it like on facebook where i'm just like is this how i do it <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i just started I had no idea what I was doing. I just started making it and uh, just basically didn't stop. I really, really fell in love with it. Uh, I had mm-hmm. been searching all, as much as I love writing. I've been a, a poet for a while and had pieces published, but absolutely, yeah. for my entire life, I, I wanted to tackle visual art as well. And I, I used to draw and, and paint and stuff when I was a kid. And basically my, my brother and his friends like bullied me out of it and I gave up. And I thought mm. I was no good. So yeah, in 2019 is really when I when I took it up again. I started going <laughs> just really hard. With it. I started doing commissions and 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 selling them and yeah, just selling pre-made pieces on my website. And then I was just working on Frankenstein. We had moved into this new place, and I had made the girl who got us our apartment mm-hmm. a thank you gift <laughs> from yeah. from Frankenstein. And I just, I kept going with Frankenstein and was just posting the, the pieces and stuff. And Jacob Haddon from Apocrypha Publishing was like, do you want to do anything with these or? Wow. Now, <laughs> you know? So, so what, what exactly can you do with blackout poetry? Cause basically it's anything you want. Really? So like, it's I mean, not, it's not looked at as copyright infringement or anything like that. Like you're, if you're publishing it, you have yeah. to do public domain. But it gotcha, falls, gotcha. yeah. If you're doing public domain, and also I forget what the name of it is called, but it's basically like when you're doing blackout poetry, you're mm-hmm. reimagining what's on the page, so it's no longer saying what that page intended. 
Um, okay. There's something that's covered under that under fair use. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you can you can use anything you want to make it, and you can sell it to someone to buy and put on their your wall. But <laughs> I mean, you yeah. can't be blacking out Twilight, and well, that would probably be fun. And and publishing it, (laughs) (laughs) you're probably getting a lot of trouble. But (laughs) yeah, maybe, Um, maybe. But it probably would be fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so everything I've I've published is is in the public domain. Everything that I've done so far and have worked on so far for my collections are all female written classics. Mm -hmm. And that was something that that Jacob and I talked about um, as far as after Frankenstein, and we were like, "What's next?" And he's like, "I think Mm -hmm. you should stick with." this this niche and i was like no i fully agree so yeah yeah the next one was a uh, secret garden and i'm just gonna keep on rolling from there I oh, that's great so 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 walk so walk us through the setup of blackout poetry like is it is it basically just you kind of like scanning the page and seeing like which words jump out at you pretty much yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The only time I really go in with an intention is if I'm doing a commission. And I, when I do commissions, I ask people if they want me to look for a certain theme. If you're, this is for mm. an anniversary or something like that, I can do love and all that fun jazz. Oh, nice. And I've had people just request horror, just horror poems from the most non-horror books, which is super fun. Right. Yeah. Like I loved doing Charlotte's <laughs> Web horror. That was fantastic. <laughs> That's fabulous. It's so great. That is awesome. I favorites. love that. I love that. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I did a May, May He Rest in Peace, Jay Wilburn, last year commissioned mm-hmm. a bunch of horror pieces from the Bible uh, that he was going to be published. From the Bible? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Really, really funny. He, he's a, wow. he's a, a very, very devout Christian man. And, and he was like, I want you to go crazy with it. And yeah, had a had a lot of fun doing that. And he, yeah. I definitely went overboard. I think he asked for like five pieces and I did 10 <laughs> and he bought them yeah, all. But, but con- <laughs> considering, considering the, the wrathfulness of, yeah. of an, of an angry God, especially in the old Testament, there is a lot of material to work with when it comes to that. So there is, yeah. you do have that. You do have that going yeah, for he, you. He had very specific books that he wanted to work with. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I got like three different types of Bibles and gave them all kinds of options. So it was, it was a really fun project. Definitely. Oh, that's great. So much. He was a wonderful, wonderful writer in person. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, my, I'm, I'm raising my ass to you, Jay. Like he's, yeah. he's someone that I never really, I never really knew, but I knew of. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's he you know, was a anyone great guy. who, and- I've, I've, when we were, we were coming up, I feel like in the business together and I've known him for over a decade and wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk to him every, every couple of months or so. We just kind of chat, just reach out and I saw him at scares mm-hmm. that care. And I, this past year, and I just, I, I definitely regret not spending, spending more time with him. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a huge loss. He was not, not only a fantastic writer, but super supportive always yeah it just sounded like he was a real champion of of other authors so that's that's someone you want you definitely want in your life somebody who's going to do that there was no no one like him i feel like in the community that was that genuine and and cool and just a great guy so i'm so glad that he gave me the opportunity to play around in the bible because i hadn't done that before and i've (laughs) since made quite a quite a few pieces it has it it takes color really well (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I really, 
I really thought that it was going to be too fragile and it was just going to like fall apart in my hands, but I was like slapping paint on it. And like, <laughs> like those pages nice. really, really well for blackout poetry. That's terrific. That is terrific. And so, and then all of a sudden, like it was blackout poetry that led to getting nominated for a Stoker award. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was completely shocked, <laughs> especially and because that's... A complex accident of life was, was just that. Oh my God. Someone's calling mm-hmm. people. I had, I had no idea that it was even going to be a collection. So when it was nominated, I was, what <laughs> really yeah okay mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah and good and, and, and in good company was... too i oh, in yeah, good company yeah. too i understand that i if i'm not mistaken tim wagoner was also nominated for his own stoker award at the that mm-hmm. same year correct yeah yeah and... i mean a lot of it was it's crazy stiff competition <laughs> i tell you yeah <laughs> and, and yeah. It's, it's such an, a a weird experience especially since i did get to go to StokerCon this past year um, oh, you did good. For strange nest, yeah. I, another thing where God, this community's stepping up. I I never dreamt I would be able to go, and somebody anonymously bought my ticket. What? So thank you, thank you, wow. whoever anonymously bought my StokerCon ticket. Wow. Yeah. Again, and, must raise the glass to to those that 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 yeah, do that. that. Yeah, that's really it's spectacular. Amazing. And my yeah. my mom was like, "You have to go." Like, so she. She helped mm-hmm. me out a bit. I, I just sold a lot of books and commissions to get mm-hmm. there, and it was just so fun. I got to I got to meet Lee Murray, who is just a wonderful author and publisher, and she had she had uh, bought some commissions for me, so I got to hand deliver them in in Colorado. Oh, nice! It was it was it was oh, a blast. But being surrounded by that many people that I've admired and uh, have inspired me for so many years. Mm-hmm. Was, incredibly intimidating but it's you and, and obviously i didn't win but you i definitely didn't feel like i lost at all no was, yeah and yeah like i i saw i saw the documentary that's on amazon prime about producer alan carr who mm-hmm. was was a major force in producing greece as well as many other things but when he got a chance to produce the Oscars, he was the one that said it's no longer and the winner is it's and the Oscar goes to because everyone who gets nominated, they're already winners Mm -hmm. because they've already gotten that. So it's not about like the winner of these five nominees or, or so it's and the Oscar goes to. And when I heard that, I was like, that's, that makes so much sense. And that's a great way to look at it. So like you've, you already by by doing this already and also like winning winning other awards as well since 2018 as well correct yeah i i the past two years i won the the ladies of horror fiction award for complex action life and strange nest so that was that was really rad yeah and those both mm-hmm. were nominated for elgin awards which is a sci-fi fantasy poetry association uh, award so Really, just a crazy, a crazy time. I never, I never expected at all that yeah. I would go from oh, I'm going to leave this business and become a, a dancer. To, right. This is, it, this it's, is basically it's as good the, as it gets. 
It's that per it's that perfect illustration of that that person that that cartoon that like of the person that keeps on digging and digging and digging and then gives mm-hmm. up. Meanwhile, like the the diamond that's that they're digging for right is just a little further down. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's that's really what this is. It yeah. really does. It's in my. I've been doing poetry now so long. The blackout poetry so long for like the last few years and not really focusing on writing any new novels or anything like that um mm-hmm. but i mean i wrote i wrote two tie-in books for the wnuf the halloween sequel the out there halloween megatape which is really cool. oh no kidding yeah no kidding. They did. that's so cool yeah, that is so cool like, and that's yeah, that's something i've never seen yet i still have yet to see that too it's the wnuf ha- halloween special correct yeah, and the se- so that one was from a few years ago, and they came out with a sequel this year. So oh, nice! I have there are some because the that movie has a lot of like fake commercials in it, and yeah. in the sequel, there's a commercial for like these Goosebumps style books, nail biters, and you can actually yeah. buy two of them from me <laughs> now. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great! <laughs> that yeah, is so they're cool. They're really fun. But now I'm especially going to, to StokerCon and I've been reading a lot more. I was kind of in a reading slump for for a few years. Mm-hmm. I'm just I feel so energized now. Yeah. Like and I that I haven't felt in a, in a really long time. And I'm really really excited to write the third book in in the hairs and I need a oh gardening guidebooks trilogy. That's what we're calling. It. Gardening <laughs> guidebooks trilogy. That's fabulous. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So I'm really you, excited. And, to and write you even that. just sound like. You even just sound just like rejuvenated. Yeah. You know, like there's everything, everything that you've gone through that would break other people. Mm-hmm. It, it's been tough, but like, I feel like you just have to be like open to open to change and open to improvement. Mm-hmm. You, even though that's like, like that, that sounds like calm down, things will get better, or even though they might not, mm-hmm. but it just, it, it feels like there needs to be at least one little spark of hope that things that things will change, that you'll find something, that you'll find your way back um, mm-hmm. and know that it's darkest before the dawn and all those kind of platitudes, but sometimes that's right. When yeah. I had no intentions of, of make, creating strange nests, I, I was not going to do a collection that, that soon after the first one. Then my, my brother passed away in 2021 and I, uh, I needed mm-hmm. a, a distraction. And I was like, I, I can't do the prose writing thing because I already messed mm-hmm. up the end of Hairs in the Headroom. <laughs> and I was like, but I can I can color. So I can mm-hmm. I took old blackout poems that I had already made that were just kind of sitting there. And I just yeah. colored. I just colored. And then after a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm ready to make new blackout poems. And then I was just kind of chatting with a friend and we were talking about well, if I did do another collection, what would I do? And we just started brainstorming mm-hmm. all these women written classics and I hit Secret Garden. I was like, I don't know why, but that one is speaking to me. And yeah. I went, my husband went and grabbed me a copy. I made one poem from it and I'm like, yep, this is the one. And awesome. I just, I, I, I think I wrote most of them within a month mm-hmm. and then colored them over the next couple of months and, and did all the art and the art felt really elevated in that one. Yeah. I was really getting back into kind of drawing and and just kind of letting loose and letting letting my emotions 
create this collection and everything that I had gone, the grief yeah. that I was experiencing, that immediate grief of losing somebody, but also losing somebody that my brother was an addict. So you feel mm-hmm. like you've lost them many times before. It's so when it actually happens for real, it's a, it's a strange, a strange experience. It's very different from like say, losing my dad or, you know, losing a, yeah. a grandparent it's someone that you've had like such a complex complicated relationship with over so many years and it yeah. finally coming to an end you, you you're no longer living with that baseline fear of mm. you're going to get that call because you are you yeah. just got it and that mm. is a strange thing to, to tangle with because you don't want to say you feel relief because that feels hard and harsh, but you do, yeah. you feel, you feel relief because their pain is over. Your, your worrying is over. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a really tough thing. I was just, just weirdly thinking about him the, uh, last night before I was going to bed where I was just like randomly just asking myself to recall his laugh. And I mean, just something like that. I feel very at peace with his passing, but sometimes it just it comes it comes right back. And some of the poems in a strange nest, when I read them again, I still get choked up. And I'm like, yeah, what? Uh, you did this to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know, I know, it was a hard so, collection for for my mom to read too, because it it is very. Oh, I'm sure. It's very gutting and and great to the point. It doesn't pull any punches. But cathartic. Right? Yeah, you know, very cathartic. I, I feel like I know she says she likes reading the end of the collection a lot more than the beginning because <laughs> it's kind of like the healing part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Now with with everything that you've done, everything that you've gone through, and then getting this sort of almost like a renaissance, really mm-hmm. with with everything that's going on. What do you have to say to others that are? Normally, I would say like what would be like the first thing you would say to someone who just wants to get started. But in in this case, there are a lot of people that are dealing with so much emotional baggage and it's really weighing them down. And in a lot of cases, things like either reading someone else's art or experiencing someone else's art, watching someone else's, reading someone else's book, whatever, or just starting their own kind of gets them on that path, that spark of hope that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's a responsibility that I do not take lightly when it comes to like myself and other creatives. I don't really look at at too much at my own numbers of the podcast because it really just depends on that one person hearing one specific episode. And the last thing I want to do is stop before I record that episode. So mm. that's that's what kind of keeps me going in a sense because yeah. I I love I love what I what I do here. I love the the writing that I've that I've done. But um, for those that are dealing with so much and just feel like they're not getting that joy out of what they're doing. It's something that they have carried with them for a long time. And now it feels like they're ready to just walk away from it, which I think is truly heartbreaking when someone gives up on their own art. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you have to say to them? I I would, 
I mean, I'd say I don't think you should ever force it. I, I, you're not getting enjoyment from something. There's, there's just, there's no reason to do it. Um, but, mm-hmm. but maybe there's a different way that you could be doing it, or like an art adjacent kind of like what yeah. happened with blackout poetry. It's like almost like I needed to get my hands dirty or something. Yeah. I needed to like get into it. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say explore if, if writing's not doing it for you right now, explore sculpting, dancing, any kind of you know, painting and I don't know. It, I, what, what works for me isn't going to work for everybody else, but mm-hmm. I would encourage not to, not to give up, but maybe take a parallel road and try it out. Because the thing is, yeah. all you're going to, all you're going to waste is time and, and, you were going to be wasting time anyway if you're like forcing <laughs> yourself to write something that has no joy or soul in it. You know, the yeah. way, sometimes the way out is through, and mm. there's there, but there's no the way to make like a writing career better is not to write like soulless. <laughs> no, mm. I mean nobody's if people aren't reading yeah. what what you're writing when your whole self is in it when you are feeling absolute joy. They're sure as right. hell not going to read it if it if it feels emotionless and important. Like, like if they're I mean, trying to like if they're trying to write to trends, like that's yeah, that sort of yeah, that sort of feeling. There's, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I I I got you. Got to find your playtime, and you got to find a way to get to find that joy again and that delight. And like I said, I I was I just tried dancing because I was like I can't. I'm a creative artistic person. Like I can't mm-hmm. just stop. I can't right. just stop being that person. So there just has mm-hmm. to be something else out there for me. Clearly doing yeah. the tango was not it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so the, but really at the same time, it. the universe, but at the same time, the universe found its way to kind of get to you just like, yeah. hey, try this. And yeah. all of a sudden, like it led to, it led to really like that spark. And that now it feels like it's a full on open flame. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like the, pi- absolutely. the pilot lies back on. Like that's yeah, and and who knows? And I'll I might experience the same kind of thing in another ten years or so, and you know, I'll find another way through it. We're, mm-hmm. we're humans. Depression is a thing. We're oh. we're fickle. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the brain lies to you. TikTok is hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to keep up, and, and and you can feel get to feel very bogged down. And you mm. can burn out quickly in this business yeah. uh, if you don't take care of yourself and intend that spark. And I always, it, it may sound corny or whatever, but yoga is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mentally, yeah. emotionally, physically, taking care of yourself. And I'm, and I'm the first one to be like, oh, I don't feel like doing it today. And I'm just going to go to the bar and <laughs> drink a bunch of beers yeah. and make art. And go, I do that too. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, Taking care of yourself is only going to make what you create better, I feel like. Yeah. Although you can make some really good art when you're down in the dumps and, and feeling like absolute cold balls on toast. But mm-hmm. you need to, you, your brain needs to be working at, it, at its prime. And that really only works when your body is working at its prime and your spirit is working at its prime. And I'm going to go mm-hmm. have some avocado toast right now because I'm sounding like a straight up. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I don't think anybody should ever give up on, on their dreams and their art and stuff like that. But 
perhaps there is a different way to be looking at it that could be more effective and give you more at this point in your life because we all get older, our needs change, our, our wants change. Like I never would have thought about it, but like I dream of a big like art show with like in blackout poetry that people have to walk through and it creates a story. Like I have all these huge dreams of, of that now. And I'm like, where did that come from? That was never on. on but you got to share those dreams though. Yeah. But you got, but you, you, that's one thing that I've learned is that you got to share those kinds of dreams. Like if you're thinking big, you're thinking big for a reason. And yeah. when I was, I was just, starting a conversation with fellow author Stacy Rourke and I didn't know that she had her own podcast that that she was working on and she asked me for help to kind of collaborate with her on that and then it was that talk that led to me texting her later on that day and just like what do you think of this and it became the once upon a podcast network and she was just like yes let's do it so <laughs> now it's like now we're getting more people mm-hmm. involved and now we just added a cfo to our to our ranks so like it's it so just awesome. feels like okay something's going on here and mm-hmm. that doesn't happen unless you reach out so yeah i would say when it comes to when it comes to that like your blackout poetry take it to local galleries I yeah, I've definitely I've definitely looked into yeah. it. It seems like you need to be like a donating member to like actually put well, on. Well, yeah, but but we'll yeah, see. but yeah, I, at I'm the definitely. same time, at the same time though, it's just like you never know. Yeah. You could wind up making the right connection with the right person, and all of a sudden things could happen. True. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely putting it out into the universe is an important thing, and especially yeah. because the new collection I'm working on, which is Little Women. Mm -hmm. it's called the quiet ways i destroy you and it's 155 blackout poems because next year is the 155th anniversary of little women and some of these pieces are big (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i i talked to jacob about it and i was like a lot of a lot of the other collection was you had to had to follow the constraints of basically my scanner so it had to fit on the scanner if mm-hmm. the scanner didn't detect neon or glitter, we had to take a picture of it. And so yeah. it, I, I just didn't want to have to be beholden to a scanner. So yeah. I decided pretty early on that I was like, I'm just going to make pieces. And there, some of mm-hmm. them are going to be big and some of them are going to yep. be glittery. And, <laughs> and he's mm-hmm. just like, what? Yep. Just make whatever you want to make and we'll find a way to do it. So nice. <laughs> I, I'm actually, and those are the kind of people you want. Those are exactly yeah. the kind of people you want in your life. It's Absolutely. just like, do what, do what is in your heart, do what mm-hmm. is driving you and we'll figure out a way to make it work. Not, Absolutely. you know, here's this, here's this little box, fill that little box. It's mm-hmm. right. Do whatever you want. And then we'll find a way to squeeze everything into that little box <laughs> and then go from there. There's yeah. a difference. So, yeah. This is, this is a, collection it's a the cosmic horror it's a very much i was inspired by the the mycorrhizae fungus that grows tree roots together and creates like a big root system so that was like kind of an inspiration for me between the march sisters and marmy and women in general it's a very feminist collection so it's it's going to be an interesting one this weekend i have a friend that's going to start taking the photographs for the bigger oh great 
Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna really try to. Well, we're gonna have a lot of cider, so they might not turn out. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> a lot of nice. beer and cider. So we'll see how the there you go. Turns out. <laughs> but, there you go. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really excited about it. I think this, I think this collection is probably the coolest thing I've ever made, and uh, it's definitely, I'm, I'm pushing all my boundaries art wise, and and I, I mean, this thing has like fake birds in it, like. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. actual like 3D birds and stuff. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I have no idea what it's gonna end up looking like, but it's it'll be fun to fig- it'll fun. be fun to find out though. It's gonna yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's gonna be fun to find out. So that's that's yeah. fantastic. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of like Thank how you. things have been going and where can where can our listeners find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at at the Jess McHugh, M-C-H-U-G-H. Um, at you the can also, Jess McHugh. At the Jess McHugh. Yeah, I think that's yep. the McHugh. I'm the only one I use. My my website is mixuniverse.com, M-C-H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com. I don't really have that much on there except for just you can see all the books I've published. You can get links to them. I And I have some pre-made blackout poetry there for sale. I think my commissions are still open. If anyone's interested mm-hmm. in getting anything for Christmas, this would probably be a good time to put in the commission order. Nice. What I think. I think. Oh, and I have. I do have books on hand for sale. If anyone wants to hit me up by November, I will probably have hairs on hand too. Fabulous. So I've got. I got both my poetry collections. I have those ultra rare WNUF two nail biters books written as nice. a ghoul <laughs> nice <laughs> so and you can only get them from me so <laughs> yep yep oh that's that's fabulous i am they're really fun i am so happy i i am i am so happy to have been able to take a little walk through the McUniverse one more time i hope this will definitely not be the last time because yeah, you know like i want you on as i want you on as a repeat guest that that's um <laughs> and Exactly. Because like what, what Jess, what Jess is saying is something that I really, really hope that everyone has really kind of taken to heart because it really just takes that spark of hope. If there's something there that is, that, that's, that is still giving you passion. It's still there. There's still that sort of spark, cultivate it, work with it, blow on it, whatever you can, (laughs) but get that spark going, get it rising and see what happens it's it's we've we've seen it happen with jess this will not be the last time we'll be seeing it with her and i hope that uh, that all of you are able to take your own spark of hope and turn it into a full-on open flame so for jess McHugh, this is george soroy saying to all of you ever upward and i will see you next week Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.